Hi everyone, this is Hannah, Sue and Steph's producer. We're taking a little break this week, but please enjoy this re-release of our episode with High School Hamster Wheels' Betsy Jewell, all about helping your teen transition into high school. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks, but until then, enjoy this conversation with Betsy, and we'll see you soon. Welcome to Your Teen with Sue and Steph. I'm Sue. And I'm Steph. And we are the co-founders and owners of Your Teen Media, the resource for parenting tweens and teens. And today we are talking with our new friend, Betsy Jewell, host of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast, all about how to best prepare our rising freshmen for the sometimes overwhelming experience of high school. But before we talk to her, we're just going to take a minute to talk about the advice we wish we'd had when our oldest was going into high school. Steph, you know, you think you talk about this a lot. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I have two pieces of advice I would give myself and I would give others. So I wish someone had given me. So there was a show on Broadway called Be More Chill. That would have been a really good mantra or something to follow. And I think it's it's so hard to do, especially in today's climate, but it would have been good, something, maybe a good um, intention, if you will. And then the other thing I think often about, and you and I both love to hike, is there's this saying, you know, amongst hikers, which is hike your own hike. You know, somebody says, oh, I, you know, I did it this way, I did it that way. And like, don't be judgy, like hike, do it the way you want to do it. And I think that would be a great piece of advice for someone with a high schooler. And I wish somebody had said it to me. And and it's something I repeat to other parents more as they're going down toward the college process. I was I was able to do it there, but I don't think I was able to do it when they started high school, which was the just just worry about yourself <laughs> and do not the rest, you know. Hike your own high schooler or something like that. How about you? I mean, well, to add on to what you're saying, which is not really something um, I have to think about how bad I was at it, but I think it's tuning out the other voices because it can really, really create a bad feeling. Like you can feel so let down for something that's perfect for your kid and your family because it's not what everyone else is doing. And I think in our own lives, we've learned that, but somehow when it comes to our kids, it feels so much more comfortable if they're all traveling down the same path at the same time. And so the, like, to me, the hike your own hike is for your own benefit. It's for the the health and wellness of you and your family. Like put blinders on to what's going on around you and instead focus on what's best for your family. You know, you think about that a lot, Steph, right? I do, I do. And I, it's, I don't know. And I don't know if it's, um, This topic never gets old, which is like, you know, as you go through each kid and, you know, just it's the longer you have, you have that benefit of seeing like, if you're lucky enough, right, that they came out the other side and everything, you know, time does have a way of doing that. But especially that first kid, it is really, really hard when the tide is going a certain way to look at your own kid and say, well, wait a minute. Is that what that kid should be doing? And it's funny, I'm having I'm having a flashback that I have not thought about. So let's see, he would have been a high schooler, I guess nine years ago going into high school, 10 years ago, whatever, my first one. And I, I do remember him, it's funny, like ninth grade, 10th grade, him signing up for like these classes that everybody else was doing. And I remember saying to him like, are you sure that's what you want to do? And ninth grade, 
drop the class. 10th grade, drop the class. So it's funny. I, I, you know, now I'm having a little bit of a, of a flashback. Maybe I was trying to get him to hike his own hike. There is a lot of pressure around them, you know, but it, it's a funny thing. I, I think it goes both ways. I think there's pressure on the kids. I think there's pressure amongst the parents. And, it, you know, it's tough to navigate. It really is, especially when you're sitting there watching and every, you know, it's like lemmings, right? I'll go off the cliff and you're like, well, I guess that's what we do. Well, so one of the things that I think back to my oldest that, you know, I, I did definitely get better with each subse- subsequent kid, but mm-hmm. I bought into the, the story that was being told then, which was ninth grade really counts. Yeah. And so I really looked at ninth grade as like the very first step into college. And I fed into that with that kid. Like, well, you know, don't you want to do this? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to take that class? I wouldn't do that again. I mean, I would just let it be. I do know that I don't believe that anymore, but I didn't know better. I didn't know enough then to not buy into that narrative, which sets up high school to be much less fun because instead of doing, instead of enjoying it, you're, you have one foot out the door toward that next thing in life. And it's four years. Like who wants to give up four years towards some unknown? Enjoy high school, try things, have fun, drop things, quit things. Like it's your chance. Yeah, it's so true. And I do remember with our third, who's about to go off to college, I remember her saying in ninth or 10th grade, she was asking me about something. And she said, well, somebody said that would be good for when I apply to college. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. I was like, well, that's not the reason to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And to your point about like, you know, with each kid, we hear this so much in the college world about authenticity. And it really is true. You know, these kids, they find what they like. And it's like, if we would just give them the space to do that. And if you're taking up as the parent 90%, you only leave 10% for your kid. And I thought, you know, wow, that's such an interesting um, concept. That, you know, if you look at it at being 100% and you've got the kid and the parent and the, whatever you're taking up, you're not allowing your kid to do. So I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that is, that's good headspace. But it's, you know, how, how, do you, how do you grasp that? And I think, again, it's just, you know, when, when the tide looks like it only goes a certain way, it's tough to be the one going against that. Yeah, the, so the college thing for me is that everyone was talking about that. And that it was good advice. It was really presented as good advice. For every stage of parenting, we only know what we hear from other people. Like, I didn't have a huge intuition about time out when my kids were younger. But the pediatrician was telling me that the best way to handle a tantrum or, you know, some butting of heads or just a big problem was to put your kid in a timeout chair. Now, the concept is probably really a good one. Like, everyone should move to their corners of the boxing ring and take some deep breaths and let everybody settle down. But that wasn't how I understood it. I understood it that I was putting my kid in a timeout so that they could calm down. And it didn't work. It was really bad in my house. It was a really, really bad setup for my kids, but I didn't know it. And so I feel like every stage of my life, I've had some advice where it took a while to realize that's not how I want a parent and that's not what's working for my family. And so college is one of those spaces that it looms so big. And there is this school story also, the counselors are talking about it, the teachers are talking about it. 
The buzz is out there about it. And yet that tide, I think right now, is turning a little bit. I hope so anyway. Yeah, I hope so too. I think that we certainly felt that even pre-COVID that it seemed, you know, this concept of post-high school versus college, right? Like, well, what else is out there? And, And I think COVID certainly helped parents kind of recalibrate, think about things, our kids to rethink about things. You know, it's like the world hit pause, which, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, run into a bunch of kids just over the summer or, you know, talking to, you know, some of my kids' friends and some of them really did some very interesting things and decided not to go back or to go back one semester and try different things. And, and I think, you know, it's a really good, good headspace for them. And um, to realize, one of, one of my friends was saying that her daughter, she took off this past year and she was a kid who like really like just thought everything was very prescribed, you know, at a very prestigious university, like, you know, high achieving kid. And she thought like everyone does it this way. And she did two, had two different experiences each semester, if you will, of this past year. And her mom said to me, it was so amazing for her because she was meeting people who were like 24 and 26. And they're like, yeah, I may go back to school. I may not. Or I didn't go to school. And she was like, huh, wow, there's lots of ways to attack this thing we call life and education or not education. And she said that was probably the best thing for this kid to see the world didn't stop. Lots of people have different paths. And um, she's like, you know, who would have guessed that this is how we would have gotten there? Yeah. Okay. So I have another thing away from college, which is the investment in my kids' friendships. So Mm. I loved my kids' friends so much. And what I didn't know with my firstborn, but I learned later on, is that those friendships aren't forever. I mean, you're lucky if they are, but they they often are like trying on new personas and fitting into different groups and joining an activity that they didn't do before and meeting a whole new group of people. And I was very wedded to the relationships that I knew and loved. And I would be like, wait, where's so-and-so? You haven't been hanging out <laughs> right. in so long. And like, you know, having this personal investment in who my kids were f- friends with, I think was really not healthy for me or them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And I think the word fleeting is such a good one, right? And not, uh, it's just, I don't know. I think that it's so, our relationships with our kids are so different than the relationships we had with our parents. And so I think that's interesting you brought that up, Sue, because I think there is this, because we communicate in such a different way with our kids, and then that translates to their friends and, you know, different investments, like you said. That's interesting. I had not thought about that before. You know, you and I have talked about how having a firstborn son and a firstborn daughter create different relationships. I loved my next kid who's a boy. I loved his friends, but it wasn't the same investment for me. And and I think um, for my daughter, those friendships meant too much to me. Not Not that I wanted to be friends with her friends, but that relationship between them, like to me was a forever thing. And I think that you know, we all know that. We all have a story. Like, I mean, I only had my one person in my wedding party because I remember asking my mother about her bridesmaids and she didn't know any of them anymore. And I thought, that's so weird. They're in this this picture of the biggest moment of your, your life at that time. And then, you know, many years later, you don't know where they are and what they're doing. So I decided, well, I'm gonna only have the one who like is a forever and is still a forever in my life. But I didn't know that with my kids. Like, it's funny how I I can't kind of take my own life lessons 
and apply them to my kids' lives. Like, you know, I want something different for them unintentionally. And so friendships are theirs. Well, wait, here's what I'll add to what you said. You said you can't do that. And I'm going to say, thank God, because if we could all do that, we'd have nothing to talk about. (laughs) Right? I mean, these are all the things we wrestle with. Like, oh my God. Like, I mean, I think of how many times, like, you know, with friends, with you and I, with each other, how we like turn things over and over. And it's like, it's just so interesting. And, you know, we're human. And, but when it comes to our kids, those things are so hard. It's so hard and each kid is so different. Each situation is so different. I was thinking that yesterday, I was on a walk last night and I was thinking to myself, oh my God, every day, like, it's like how people make jokes about the Cleveland weather. Like, if you don't like it, don't worry, wait five minutes. That's how I feel like with the kids. Like, if something's going on, just wait a few minutes because it's going to change. All right, well, that'll take me to, to my third point of what I wish I'd known. Stop asking my kids how they are. <laughs> like, oh, people don't, yeah. when people say, how are you as adults, they don't mean it. They don't want to hear how you are. But when I say, how are you to my kids? It's this deep leaning in going, how are you? And what I want to know is like, I want to know a temperature of like every minute of your life. And now it's not relevant. They won't tell me. Yeah. You know, when high school was starting, there was so much looming that I was deep into that, like making sure that I knew how they were doing at all times. And you can't, and you don't have a right to. It's like, I mean, imagine if someone said to you, I I even have this on Monday mornings when you and I reconnect and you go, how was your weekend? And I'm like, how was my weekend? Like, it's hard to assess life that way all the time, right? And So true. And when you have a, a mother who looks so earnest and really desperate to know, I think it to my kids, it was like, fine. Fine. (laughs) Right. Right. I think there are much better questions like, you know, I don't know. What's for dinner? What do you want for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. So up next is our conversation with Betsy Jewell. We can't wait for you to join us. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Today, we're really excited. We're merging podcasts. We have Betsy Jewell from the High School Hamster Wheel. And we met Betsy because we're both podcasts with Evergreen Podcasts. And that's really exciting for us. And we also fell in love, which was really a nice gift from them. Thank you so much for making that introduction. 
We are going to first be on your teen media, your team with Sue and Steph, and then we're going to be guests on Betsy's. So right now, Betsy's our guest. And we know we have a very big job as parents. We worry about our kids' future and safety and wellness while also being told to move into a new role as parents. Be vigilant and trust your kids. Be a consultant, be present. Like all of these kind of like, how do we do all these things? So here we are, our kids, some of our kids are gonna be rising freshmen in high school. And I think what we're gonna tell you is true for any time in their lives, but we're gonna focus on these parents who are really a little lost and wondering, how do they transition as parents? And we're gonna round robin. We have 20 tips to give you. And so let's start with Stephanie on number one and we'll round robin. Parents, you should encourage your kids to join an activity or a sport. They will meet people and they'll feel a sense of belonging immediately if they do this, despite what they may say. Yeah, and this isn't always easy. Mm-mm. Can I chime course, in here? Am I course. allowed to do this? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have one, I have two very reluctant joiners in <laughs> high school. And you know, you don't want to force them, but you kind of have to push them out of their comfort zone sometimes because they need to find their people. Okay, take a tour of the school. Well, first of all, Betsy, totally true that we have to push them sometimes, but also this, the the wisdom behind it is that your your entry point into school will be easier because you will already belong yeah. to something and you don't have to make a lifetime commitment. So the other thing we would encourage is that If you have the ability to take a tour of the school before it opens, get a sense of where your classes are and how your your student has to open the locker by themselves, where their classes are, where the lunchroom is. It eases so much of the preschool anxiety of like, but where do I go? How will I know where to go? So that's a really good tip that I was given, and I felt so grateful for it. My kids went to school the first day already knowing they could get their locker open and that they knew (laughs) how to navigate from class to class. Lunch. You just mentioned how they find the lunchroom. I've told my kids this and every parent I know, every freshman parent I know, do not get hot lunch the first two weeks of school. I guess this is a do. The do is (laughs) pack your lunch for the first two weeks of school because if you— want to get hot lunch, you will stand on an incredibly long line with a million kids who don't have their student number or don't have the money they need or whatever it is. And it will take you most of the lunch period just to get your lunch and then you won't have any time to eat it. All right. So we know high school is a time for exploration and the next four years are not all about getting into college. I repeat, the next four parents, you're going to tell your kid, the next four years are not all about getting into college. We're going to go for belonging first, as we've talked about in the last few. Okay, number five. This is so important for life. This is a chance when they start high school, if you haven't already done it, to teach your kid how to advocate for themselves. So if there is a problem, you can have the conversation with them in advance, like what are you going to say? But Encourage them, pick up the phone, send the email, do whatever it takes, but you teach your kid how to do that. Yeah, and in the realm of advocating for yourself, the better relationships you have with the adults at your school, kids, parents of kids, make sure your kids learn how to communicate and build relationships with their teachers, their guidance counselor, anybody else who's going to have a a stake in their next four years of high school because it's going to make their experience so much better. Call the teacher, email the teacher, 
set up time to talk to the teacher and get extra help. Those relationships are super important. And they're building a mentor relationship. Like it's such a good thing to have. Yeah, that's a good one. Agreed. Okay, the next one. I wish, I wish I, I need some, I need three go backs on this one. <laughs> it is be prepared for a tough transition. So it is such a big shift from middle school to high school. And I am quite sure none of the Silverman children realize this, <laughs> um, or at least the Silverman mother all three times. And, you know, there's so many new demands that, they take time. And so even just having the conversation, like it's going to feel overwhelming. So that way they're not surprised that it's overwhelming. Um, So yeah, we've had that surprise a few times. Um, And I think it's really important. So Steph didn't do well on that one. And somehow I ended up with this one where I totally failed. But I've heard so many people do this well. Like when my kids walked in the door or I picked them up, I all day was thinking of the questions I was going to ask them. Who'd you sit with at lunch? How did class go? How was your test? Was it scary? And I had this like assault on them of questions. And what I will tell you that I have learned over the years from the wisdom of people who are smarter than me, they let their kids come in and settle down. It is a rough jungle out there at school And so having in your mind or trying different ways of what is best for them when they walk in the door, how do you greet them in a way that Mm. isn't just more of the jungle? Yeah. And feed them too, because they're usually, they're usually hangry and they don't want to talk to you. Especially if they stood on the lunch line and had a wait. If they didn't listen to your advice and they stood on the lunch line. So speaking of hangry, they will be moody parents. They will be moody, cranky, unpredictable, crappy attitude. They'll grunt at you. They'll walk away from you. Hear these words. It's not about you. I mean, you might have done something to annoy them, but (laughs) fundamentally, it's not about you. It's about them and their hormones and their tough day and their interactions with friends or people they don't like. There's a million other reasons that they're in that bad mood and it's most likely not you. Oh yeah, such a good one. Okay, the next one. So as bad of a report that I, as bad of a grade as I got on number seven, I think I got a good grade on 10, which is give them independence. So this whole idea of just like loosening your hold, like, they have to take ownership of their social life and of their grades. And you can ask things like, do you have a plan? Do you need my help? You know, but conveying that I know you've got this um, and, I, and I'm also here if you need help. It's so good and so important. Oh my goodness. They, yeah. And they'll let you know if they need help. And they're more likely to let you know that they don't. <laughs> All right, this one. I have some of these kids who are not big sharers. <laughs> like they don't want to answer my barrage of questions, which I am desperate to hear all of that information from them. And I think that this is not my advice because I never, ever would have done this. But I might today, knowing what I know, set aside a designated time where you actually let your kids know, I am, I'm just not going to ask you about school unless you have something you want to tell me, but maybe Sunday nights over dinner, we'll just do, a, or Friday nights, we'll do a wrap of the week. And that, I think, gives kids such freedom to not worry about what dinner's going to be about. Like, oh my God, are we going to talk about that test again, <laughs> right? And in, instead, like really fine restraint, which for me, 
is hard. Really find that restraint not to ask the questions. Yeah. And speaking of restraint, (laughs) it's hard not to look at their grades. We all have access to their portal, their grade portal at school. Parents, just try really hard to trust your child to share what you need to know about their grades. Looking at every single assignment, knowing when they got A's and when they got B's or C's or D's or failed something, you coming to them with that is not going to help them. But if they, if you can have those conversations and they can be accountable and come to you, it's going to be a much better conversation. That's such a good one, Betsy. Okay. I, I soar on number 13. I mean, I got to say, like, if I am getting graded, this is it. Some Silverman's more than others. And that's all I'll say. Incomplete assignments or poor grades can be an opportunity. Yes, they can. (laughs) And I will just leave it at that. But they can be an opportunity because they have to feel it and they have to correct it. Okay, so number 14, Betsy, she jumped the line earlier and already said this one, but (laughs) I do that all the time. (laughs) But now it's my turn. And what I say is kids come home from school hungry. I mean, if you got your kid goes to a big school, a big high school, they might actually have lunch at 1030 because they've got to do shifts and then they have four hours more of school and maybe sports afterwards have food ready for them when they come home. That is the place that you can really mother them, right? Like you can plan it, have food there, have options there for them. And they're going to be so grateful that that's the first thing you offer them when they walk in the door. Here is some food. That's a great one. So this is one of my favorites. And I think I've done pretty well at this. Praise the effort, not the outcome. We've heard it from a lot of parenting experts too. Don't go, oh, you got such a, you got an A on that. That's wonderful. It should be, you worked really hard on that. Or you spend a lot of time putting a lot of effort into that because it teaches them that hard work pays off rather than an A equals success. All right, next one. Help your student establish effective routines. That could be anything. That could be sleep. That could be homework. That could be exercise. That I mean, it applies to so many places. And actually, and it's a great place I forget the number, but about independence, like, you know, wrapping that into kind of kind of that same theme. How do they how do they, um, you know, kind of take some agency there? Okay, so we did say that high school should not be about college, but there is one exception to that rule. Well, there's other exceptions, but this is the one we're going to offer up. It is really, really hard when your kid starts to fill out that application senior year and says, I don't remember what I did freshman year. And certainly I, as the mother, was never going to remember that for them. (laughs) So a brag book, just give them a little notebook and tell them to keep track of what they're doing. And it's great for everybody because you know how we we think we're going to remember things. Then we don't remember things. And, you know, it's nice just to have it all written down and be able to check that notebook and go, oh, my God, look at all the things I did in high school. Okay, so number 18. And I don't have as much experience in this as Sue and Steph because their kids are older than my kids, but it's those difficult conversations, or I shouldn't say difficult, but those important conversations that no one wants to have. Sex, sexual harassment, consent along with that, vaping, drinking, weed, safe driving rules, mental health, suicide, depression, anxiety. These are all very difficult challenging and important conversations. And it's really hard to get our kids to open up, but these conversations have to be had. 
I also think media is a great opportunity. So watch a movie together. I mean, if you watch sex education together with your kids, you'll cringe a ton, but it will open up so many great conversations. So find the media that helps facilitate the conversation. Okay, post-pandemic challenges that we can't anticipate, some of which have happened already, but even just talking about what that looks like as, you know, as these kids go back to school, or maybe even just asking them, like, you know, how you feeling about going back to school? And how do, what do you think it'll be like? So number 20, I'm going to say have grace. And that that is toward this post-pandemic time when we really don't know how kids are going to respond to re-entry at school. And just in general, transitioning from eighth grade to ninth grade has so many hurdles to overcome. And I think if as parents, we can share with our kids that, you know, this is a time where we're just going to do our best. Both you and I, we're going to do our best and we're going to set the bar a little lower than we might otherwise do. And with that, we call it our top 20 for parents of rising freshmen in high school. And we're going to do one last round. Fast, quick, give us your best tips, starting with Stephanie. Oh, my God. My best? Okay. My best is let them be who they're going to be. Just look at that kid that's in front of you and how that kid's going to be their best self. Betsy? I love that stuff. Mine is be curious. Be curious about everything. Be curious about the people you meet, the subjects you're in, the experiences you're thrown into, whether you like them or not, whether it's your favorite subject or not. Dig in, learn more. You never know what's going to set a light bulb off over your head. And you never know what kind of friendship you're going to make if you don't reach out to people. And mine is take a risk and be prepared to fail at that risk because that will that will create a foundation for you for the rest of your life to take risks and be okay with failure. And if you are left wondering, what shouldn't we do? Well, we are going to be on Betsy Jewell's podcast, The High School Hamster Wheel, giving you our top 10 for what not to do when your kid is a rising freshman. Thanks for joining us for the Your Teen Podcast. If you have any topics that you want us to talk about, let us know on our Facebook page or email editor at yourteenmag.com. If you're someone who reads an article and thinks of that one friend who has to read it too, think of our podcast the same way. Please share with that friend who's going to say, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know about Your Teen with Sue and Steph. And do us a favor and review and rate the show on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find more from us at yourteenmag.com, at evergreenpodcast.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Your Team with Sue and Steph is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producer Michael D'Aloya, plus producer Hannah Leach and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. We'll see you next time. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.